Hey, hip cats and kiddies. Welcome to the Wrestling Poetry Slam. Next up, all the way from Minnesota, the Dirty Dog Darcy reading his masterpiece as in Diesel Fuel. Thank you, thank you. Here's my poem entitled As in Diesel Fuel. On this unholy of summer nights, smack dab in the Nutter Center, location, Dayton, Ohio. Up on the menu for the night, heartbreak cocaine, a sharpshooting cane, and a brontosaurus burger. The matcha one sat alongside a royalty from Beverly Hills <laughs> and a royalty of the barbecue biz, mullets, bow ties, and Mike Yoda. My night's complete, a perfect athlete and a narcissist. Buttons I dropped for the heavyweight gold. Well, Jim Duggan dropped his 2x4 on this night. Bam, bam, bam. His way, to, his way back to Mid-South wrestling. If you ever wondered how to make a Mack truck go, watch a 93 Heartbreak interview. Sit with a pound of Booker Sugar? You'll soon find out. As in diesel fuel, that which makes a Mack truck go. From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Pastry, Minnesota, you downloaded main event status radio with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210, and the Dirty Dog From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Bad Street, Minnesota, you're listening to Main Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, joined, as always, by Mr. 90210 himself, Mr. Beverly Hills. How's it going, Beverly? It's going awesome. I'm... Running on fumes, running on diesel fumes, if you will, dirty dog. You know one thing I would suggest if you're running on diesel fumes, daddy-o? Sure do. Take a listen. Listen very, very closely. (laughs) (laughs) I I just opened up a beautiful, cold can of Mellow Yellow. Oh, I wish I had one, dirty dog. It goes, it, it, my milieu is my diesel fuel. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, dirty I'll, I'll see. I wanted to uh, thank once again Jason Mann for coming on the podcast last week. Our special cast number three covering the history of SummerSlam. We went, I think, two hours and 45 minutes on talking about SummerSlam and all that. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like we could have gone. More in depth. If I would have added in more of my two cents, and uh, oh my gosh, I'm sure we could have gone another two hours and forty five minutes. But it was really fun as is, and it was awesome having Jason on. So yeah, if you guys haven't checked that episode out, go back and uh, download that. You know, it's two hours forty five minutes. I think uh, well, well worth your listen and, and all that. So, and I know on episode three, I talked a little bit about how I listened to the first half of the Swerve. By Vince Russo. 
I wanted to open up this podcast by talking about it since I talked about it two weeks ago on episode three. And how I said, you know, I listened to half of it, you know, I might download episode two. And <laughs> granted, you know, when this podcast drops, it would be, uh, you know, new, more details might come up. But I kind of want to talk about Vince Russo and the whole TNA Impact Wrestling stuff with you, Beverly, if you don't mind. Shoot. Okay. I, <laughs> well, since I work, in, my shoot job is, <laughs> I work in a warehouse for 45 to 50 hours a week. And I'm able to lose my mp3 player my ipod and most of the time you know about 40 hours a week at work but sometime outside of work i listen to podcast so i heard okay vince russo is having a podcast i'm also listening to it since i listen to mlw radio with court bauer or msl conan from wcw nwo (laughs) mexican wrestling and they had vince russo on i don't know a month or two ago and how he you know had started his own website, writing about whatever he wants to talk about, whatever. And he's coming out with a new podcast. I'm like, okay, you know, if it's, if it's about an hour, I'll download it, try it out, you know. So, and it was pretty, the sound, sound quality, I can't speak, the sound quality was pretty decent. But I wanted to strangle Vince Russo. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, because... He oh, take, nobody wants to strangle us after they listen to our podcast, Dirty Dog. Well, they quit listening to it. That's why I quit listening to Vince Russo. <laughs> but please, keep listening to us. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, yeah, he taped it on a Sunday and released it Tuesday night at midnight. And so he talked about, you know, the previous Thursday's impact and, like, Monday Night Raw, that's ruddy old. So that that rubbed me off the wrong way. <laughs> then he's like, "Well, I don't want to criticize the writing because I was I'm a former creative writer, and I don't want to critique that." Well, that's a crock of crap since Spike TV canceled TNA Impact because Vince Russo was strictly hired by them, and Spike TV doesn't like Vince Russo. Right. So one, Vince Russo, you can suck it. <laughs> And, two, yeah, I don't care. I'm throwing no punches. I'm running off a of metal yellow fuel, daddy-o. <laughs> Dirty dog is on fire. And Vince Russo was talking about how much better TNA Impact is in wrestling than WWE. You know, I guess it's you know, to, to each their own for personal preferences, whatever. But come on, Ru- Russo. People knew you were writing for TNA Impact, and after... It came out that you were writing for them. You know, you were, you know, whatever you were. You know, TNA was lying about it. Just to shut, you know, keep, stay on Spike TV and Viacom. They just rubbed me off the wrong way. And I'm like, I would rather be rubbed off the wrong way and not listen to episode two, <laughs> you know, right away. Then continue to listen to it. Then him pissing me off and me quit listening to it. Because I only wasted, I guess, an hour and a half of my life. Thanks, Vince Russo. But, yeah, I guess that's my spiel from episode three two weeks ago that I said I was going to listen to at least ep- rest of episode one, maybe episode two. But I don't know if you heard about it, Beverly, but Vinny, Vinny Rue is thinking about, or actually, you know, like three bucks, you can pay him three bucks a month for a free podcast, two more in, two more podcasts, him covering like WWE TV, then Impact Wrestling, which 
ain't gonna last much longer, Vince Russo. Thank you very much again. And oh yeah, those two podcasts and for the free podcast, he'll he'll put in like a twenty minutes of an interview that he had. Then included with the subscription, you get like an hour and a half, however long the interview was. Yeah, I put on the free episode, like this snippet. He'll give you the full length as a video podcast, as a vodcast. I'm like, I'm sorry, Vince Russo, but I want to give you three bucks every month. You suck. You pissed me off. Thank you for at least giving me an hour, you know, hour of your time to listen to you once just to piss me off. Wow. That's the like, anger that is spewing forth right now, Dirty Dog. I Let's talk about better times. If you want to talk about better times, if you will. Let's talk about 1995. You know, I'm so on a rant, damn it. Oh, no. Uh, i get something else off my chest. All right. Which talks, which, by the way, we are <laughs> we are talking about Monday Night Raw from Monday, April third, nineteen ninety five, episode one hundred five, and which ties in with a show that we're covering, which I want to talk to you about, Beverly. Okay. You know, just like episode three, I went on you know Wikipedia and Google search nineteen ninety five results of Raw, for I can figure out who all the jobbers are. All right. And I found out that they taped taped this almost a month prior. Oh really? So they almost taped, you know, this this week's episode, episode 105, 106, and 107 on March 13th, 1995. Really? Really. Huh. It, they could have lied to me about that. But that's what I found out. Found out. You know, I can understand, especially back then, taping, taping, you know, a few weeks worth of Raws, especially when they're only an hour, on the same night. You know, it could serve money. But why do post-mania angles bef- like three weeks before WrestleMania? I don't know. It's pretty weird, especially because you got the the new tag team champions coming out. And especially that... Tisk tisk. And especially that the WWF champion re- or issued out uh, another challenge to his WrestleMania challenger. Yeah, right on. And uh, WrestleMania challenger's bodyguard turned on him. Spoiler alert! Alert. Yet you'll see the the bodyguard, you know, protecting the challenger at WrestleMania. Right. So that rubbed me off a little bit. <laughs> while while you giggle a little bit, I'm gonna take a sip of my mellow yellow. Do it up, man. That's good. That was good okay. I'm a lot happier now. Thank you, Beverly, for letting me go off on the tangent, and thank you for listeners for still listening to us. Which, I'm surprised if you're still listening to us after my rant. But if you are, you must either like us, or you don't like Vince Russo. Or both. Okay, then. So we must... (laughs) Are you still there, Beverly? I'm still here, man. You're very, very silent. So we might as well go to the show, then. Uh, The show opened with... Pictures from the night before WrestleMania 11. Right. With the main event being Bam, Bam, and Lawrence Taylor. Okay, now, here you go. Dirty Dog. Yes. How many of these football players have you ever heard of before? Uh, <laughs> just Steve Mongo McMichael because he <laughs> went do, on to WCW to wrestle. I looked at this and I go to myself. <laughs> 
I know that Dirty Dog Darcy has never seen any of these football players except Steve Mongo McMichael because he was a wrestler. Well, honestly, I saw them because I watched WrestleMania 11 before, but yeah, besides the wrestling connection, well, I guess including Steve Mongo, I don't know any of them. Oh, these are some good football players, man. Chris Spielman, I, I, I am in a pro wrestling bubble. What can I say? <laughs> What can I say? Ken Norton's dad was a boxer, so that... Fair enough, fair enough. Whenever Ken Norton Jr. would score a touchdown, he would punch the goalpost. Does that that tie it closer to wrestling? Sure. What's that one... uh, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank of his name, but the one wrestler in WCW who was in NWO who made it big in Japan... uh, Scott Norton? Yeah, are they related? No. Okay, I have there's, to ask. There's, there's one major difference between Scott Norton and Ken Norton. What? Scott Norton is Caucasian while Ken Norton is African American. Whatever. I don't <laughs> care. Hey, I locked the African planes, man. We talked, right, whatever, whatever. We, we talked about this on a previous episodes, okay? When we were referencing Reverend Slick. All right, we're in Poughkeepsie. Akeem, the African dream, is also white daddy. Oh, he's from Africa, so Fair whatever. Enough. All right, before we get in trouble, here we are. We're at Poughkeepsie. Okay, we yeah, we might as well finish. Yeah, we uh, we, yeah, the show opened with the pictures from WrestleMania the night before with you know Bam Bam versus LT, some pictures from the WWF title match between Diesel and Shawn Michaels, and uh, pictures of the newly crowned Take Team Champions Owen Hart and Yokozuna. Yokozuna. Yep. Then we go to. Yeah, classic raw video, which, you know, from 95, I would say change up the video package a little bit. Yep, I noticed that too. A lot of different, at least now they're using actual pictures of the wrestlers as opposed to like shadows. Yes, which it's nice and thankful. And I appreciate that. I do too. Yeah, like you said, we're in a Polipsky? Poughkeepsie. Whatever. In the Mid Hudson Civic Center. <laughs> and we're welcome to Monday Night Raw with Vince McMahon and the host of the Jim Cornette Experience, Jim Cornette. Yep. And McMahon put over Vin, the look, cor- at Vin, look at Vince McMahon's turtleneck in this one. It was wonderful. It says Monday Night Raw on it. And McMahon put over that Cornette is a manager of the new... Take team champions. And Alice Cornette put them over. Yep. What can you do? Then are we going to do the opening match? Bob Sparkplug Holly versus Hakushi. Right on. With Sin- I, Sinji? Is that how you pronounce his name? Shin, Shinja. Shinja. Okay. What did I ask? Yep. yep. Miss, Mr. Saito. Yeah. Or Akios. No. Shoot. Forget. No, Akio Sato okay. is uh, he is he was in the Orient Express, the first version. I, Not, I do like his beard. Yeah, like if you watch, I think he was on the summer one of the summer suns I just watched. But like. Not the Orient Express with Tanaka and the mask guy because the mask guy was white back when they were actually Je- <laughs> it was actually Japanese guy. He was in the Orient Express. But anyways, I wanted to ask you, when did Bob Sportplug Holly changed his name to Bob Sportplug Holly from Thurman Plug. 
I don't know. It wasn't. He wasn't Thurman Plug for very long though. Because when when was the the one that we watched? I th- wasn't it ninety four? Sometime it wasn't ninety. Okay, I guess it could have been. So within a year, I guess like nine months before this. Yeah, I guess I thought. I think it's pretty quick after he debuts. He goes from being Thurman Plug to Bob Spark Plug Holly, which is a good switch. Yeah, definitely. Then I'll see the yeah the one two three kid joined Holly in the ring after Holly came down. Yep. Then yeah then Jim Cornette put over Hakushi, saying that he was he's the greatest Japanese athlete. <laughs> I really like Hakushi. He's he's really one of my favorite wrestlers from this time period. He has some awesome pay per view matches. He really moves around the ring well, um, and also yeah he's he's good in Japan too. His name is Jinsei Shinzaki. Um, and the, oh gosh, was it the first, was it barely legal, the ECW pay-per-view or the, one of the Heatwave pay-per-views, he and Hayabusa team up to take on Rob Van Dam and Sabu and they have an awesome match too. He's, he's a really good wrestler. I know a couple podcasts ago when we were joined by Fran Derry and Lucas, the intern, talking about the WWE network. I know Fran didn't mention the Heatwave 98 that where Hakushi was on. Yep. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I, I really like him. What I guess, like, I don't know. I'd, I've always, like, wanted to talk about this or think about it, whatever. Like, you know, there's never been a Japanese WWF champion, you know? And I feel like, I don't, I don't know. It's, come on. They're calling him the modern-day kamikaze. <laughs> Yeah. This, that's about as racist as it gets. That would be like having a German wrestler and calling him the modern-day Hitler. You know? Yeah. It's like the same exact thing, and you could never get away with doing that. That's awful, and so is this. Talk about racism. I know it's been in the news a little bit about Lana comparing, you know, talking about you know the current events with the Malaysian flight being shot down in Russia. Right. What do you what do you feel like is worse, Lana bring that up at WWE Battleground 2014, or Hakushi being called the modern day Kamikaze? Oh, modern day Kamikaze for sure. Just because like that's, I don't know, that's like taking something from history, and you know that that was you know suicide pilots, right? And but to you know to compare that and call someone that that's i don't know that's racist i think making him like just this caricature with like the little things paint little characters painted on him and stuff it's bad just cuz he's such an awesome wrestler and i feel like he could have been a lot more than what he was to try, to try to bring it on a lighter note is it a kamikaze an alcoholic drink it can be, yes, it can. <laughs> I'm happy I made you crack a little laugh. Because <laughs> I, I am also happy that you put over Hakushi just as much as Jim Cornette did on Color Commentary. Well, me and Cornette, we're buds. Which is one thing I appreciate from the Color <laughs> Commentator. Yeah, I thought he did a good job this week. So we might as well go into the match. Go ahead. <laughs> My first note is... A pretty slow match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something even slower pops up in a little bit. I'll get to. But yeah, so you might as well get to that because my next note is uh, the interference. So, 
Okay, yeah. So the one, two, three. So, so after a little bit, after a few minutes, um, the tag team champions on and Yoko come out. Right, right before the commercial break. By yep. The way. Yep. And they hang out there for a while while there's the action is still happening in the ring. And then one, two, three, kid <laughs> eliminates Owen on the in the corner. And I wrote that <laughs> after he after he kicks him, Yoko glacially moves toward them. I notice that he's moving so slow. How can you not notice him? <laughs> Wait, next, I wrote, wrote down the Owen tried to jump the kid, and the kid laid him out with a chop and a kick. Then yep. Yoko snuck up behind him, behind snuck the kid. Up. Snuck up. Well, he did. <laughs> Yoko snuck up behind the kid and and uh, kicked him in the back of the head. I don't think Yoko sneaks anywhere. Well, maybe the KFC. <laughs> I mean, I know. While you're laughing, I did wrote down a line that Jim Cornette said about that. Okay. Seeing that. Yeah, Yoko crush that kid like a bug. <laughs> it made me laugh too when I heard that. Like I had to write down, write down that one liner. It's a good one. Then I, my next note after that was a superplex happened. Who gave it? I don't know. Oh no. <laughs> well, I guess this match review kind of sucks. <laughs> it was all right. It was we're really underselling it, but I liked this match a lot. I thought um Hakushi and Bob Holly actually worked t- together really well and they were able to um go back and forth a lot. But I think what our notes really show is that this match was really just kind of a backdrop to the yeah. to the storyline that was happening. And even though it is a good match, the reason why we don't remember everything is because it was more to set up what was going to happen with these two teams. Yeah, because I did want to ask, who moved worse at the end of their life, Yokozuna or Andre the Giant? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> that's kind of morbid to think about, I guess. But uh, Well, I thought of that when I saw Yokozuna trying to sneak up behind the kid. Well, but this is... Dude, it gets way worse for Yokozuna. Have, have you ever seen the Legends of Wrestling pay-per-view? No. Yeah, it's like ten times worse. Okay. He's moving slow, but he's still got like two more years in the WWF. True. Um, but I don't know. Andre was really bad. I don't know. I don't really want to say one or the other. Okay, that's fine. Then uh, do you want to? Do you have any other notes besides the finish? Uh, no. Okay. Hakushi captured the victory after Yoko tripped Holly, and Hakushi nailed Holly with a running senton. Yep, and I, and I really like that backsplash. It looked good. Okay, what did you rate this match? I rate this match two and a quarter stars. I rated this match one half of a star. Oh my gosh, really? I felt it was kind of dull. The fans weren't into the match. And most of the excitement I got were when the new tag team champions came down and interfered. All right, fair enough. Then we got a, a hotline number if we want some WrestleMania 11 merchandise. I took it down. I'm going to call. 1-800-TITAN-91. Awesome. Okay. 1-800-TITAN-91. <laughs> yeah, so if you want some WrestleMania 11 merchandise 19 years later. Okay, cool. Yeah. So then we go to the WrestleMania recap with Jim Ross. Yeah, how Jim Ross is sending Eddie live arena or whatever 
whatever, telling us that it was that wrestling was was pretty unpredictable. Okay, Jim Ross. Is unless if you were at Poughkeepsie three weeks prior. Yes, and he Is was talking. I guess everybody was talking about LT and Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, what do you think about Bam Bam's press conference that they showed? I can tell there was plenty of seeds on a Bam Bam face turn. Oh yeah, definitely. He was very like sorry for what had happened, and yeah, he doesn't know where he stands with the million dollar corporation. Yep, he's looking forward to moving moving ahead and all that. Yeah, then Jr. put over the I Quit match between Bret Hart and Mister Backlund with Roddy Piper as a special guest referee. Yep. Um, Ross made a funny slip when he he was said that uh, Hart made Backlund I Quit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Jim Ross. That was a slobber knocker mistake. Yep. Then, uh, they showed then, Undertaker versus Bundy. The Undertaker. And, and apparently... Um, Larry Young? Yeah, Larry Young was the, an, a Major League Baseball umpire was the ref. Because I wrote down Andrew, Larry Young was a referee, and behind Larry Young in, in, in uh, parentheses, I put down, who? I put, what? <laughs> <laughs> who is Larry Young? Do you know who he is? Uh, well... As they roll, he's a Major League Baseball umpire. Okay. I think maybe we talked last, I think last week or maybe the week before, about um, that in 1994, the Major League Baseball had a player's strike. Yeah. And I think at this point, they were still under that strike. So that's why they had the ump there or whatever. I don't know. Makes sense. No, not really. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> Larry Young needs to make some money, too, you know? I'm sure that's what they said. Or... Yes. Yeah. Then, uh, Whatever. Thomas steals the air. Yes. Then JR sends us back to Vince, and Vince is in the ring. Yep. And Vince McMahon welcomes... <laughs> Big Daddy Cool Diesel, the WWF champion. Mm-hmm. And the fans go crazy. Yay! <laughs> when, they really liked him. Uh, hit, you know the theme song. Yeah, you sound like tugboat. Oh, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, Vince tells us the WWF is running on diesel fuel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, you yeah. know what? I just figured out. What? Even though this was like three weeks before WrestleMania. They did everything to not give it away to these Poughkeepsie guys. Because did you notice that Diesel never said last night at WrestleMania? Yeah. Like, he just said last night or, like, the last time I faced you. I guess that makes sense, and, And Owen and Yoko didn't come out with the titles. Hmm, I guess I didn't notice that. So... All they had to do was just kind of like add in the stuff afterward. That that makes sense. Yeah, but I guess that does that can makes me scratch my head with uh, what happened at the end of the night, though. Yeah, I don't know. They they could always just write it off like that. Sid was acting weird. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know. The, then yeah, then McMahon asked Diesel if Sean if Sean wants a rematch, would he accept? Diesel said that it was Sid's fault for Sean losing and. Michaels deserves a rematch. Uh-huh. 
do you have anything, <laughs> any other notes or thoughts about that Diesel's interview? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Diesel also said that uh, Michael should lose the bodyguard for the rematch. Yes, yeah, that he should leave him at home, right. Planting seeds for what's going to happen later on in the night. Right on, yep. No, I don't have anything else on that. Okay, then we go to a commercial, and then we come back with a something like a, like a uh, oh, I put in quotations, a fancy commercial. Yeah, also like I wrote that rich it's people. people. Yeah, rich, yeah, rich knobs are sitting around a table saying that they want WWF to perform every night of the week. Yeah, they're talking about like stuff that you might say that they're talking about the opera or like Broadway or something because they're like, oh, the costumes were beautiful and the moves they're doing are amazing. But then, aha, uh-huh, they're talking about the WWF. Then in, then in uh, parentheses, I did say, don't worry, they will in due time. <laughs> Referring to the WWE Network. Right on. Just saying. Then we go to the next match, the Allied Powers in Lux Luger and the British Bulldog against Well Done with Harvey Wimpleman. Yep. Allied Powers come out with two kids. Yes. I hope they weren't their kids. I doubt it. Good. So, Allied Powers, have you said who the Allied Powers are yet? Lux Luger and the British Bulldog. Word up. And I wanted to ask you... I want what? to ask you, whatever happened to Well Done? Well, I, okay. Were they overcooked? Because I think one of them's dead. Were they overcooked? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, well Done. So, Well Done, they were a tag team in the 80s who had a lot of success in both Memphis and Puerto Rico called the Southern Rockers. Like, um, yeah, like last, last time we did a regular cast, um, we talked about like imitator teams and I put down the rockers and the Southern rockers are one of those, um, teams. And they had some success, like I said, in, in, uh, Puerto Rico and Memphis. Memphis, yeah, Yeah. Before they came here. Oh my gosh. Apparently they're both dead. That's no good. Oh no! Okay, well, before, I don't want to talk about their deaths. I want to talk about their tights. I want to. Well, I want to talk about that too, but I also want to talk about their deaths. Okay, well, so talk about their deaths, please. I'm a bad person. Yes, you are. That's one, why I love you. One died. What? It says that one died in 1994. This is in 1995. What's happening? So I guess the internet lies to us. Stuff together. Maybe Vince Russo wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. Now I'm... Oh, okay. I understand. Okay. That's because this... um, They started out whatever. One of them's still alive. Rex King is still alive. Steve Dahl's dead. Good. Okay. Okay, now let's talk about their freaky, freaky tights. Why are they like a thong? That's what I was wondering, too. Well, you're not going to get the answer from me. I didn't like their tights. They're weird. They look like thongs. If you and I ever become professional wrestlers and, and take him, I refuse to wear tights like that. I'm fine with that, man. I refuse. Well, you know what? They're good. I I like Well Done. And it's too bad that they're just like a jobber team and they have uh, Harvey Whippleman as their manager because I thought they were – they 
were a good part of this match. And when they were in control, I liked when they were in control a lot better than when the Allied Powers were in control. Okay, then we might as well get into the match. Uh, my first note was Bulldog and Luger hit a double grill press slam at the start of the match. I wrote that they both they did a double botch gorilla slam. Did you see neither of them hit it clean? They both yes. dropped their guy before they were able to throw him down. Yes, then well done hit the finish maneuver of the world's greatest tag team. Oh, okay, and that's what that was. Yeah. I I just wrote that it was a cool move. I don't I don't remember what <laughs> it, I don't uh, don't remember what it's called. Uh, I guess for Vince's sake, it's a what a maneuver. That was that was definitely a what a maneuver. Yeah, but I don't it was remember cool. what it was called. But I do remember the world's greatest tag team used uh, as their finisher. Well, didn't they call it something dumb, just like the world's greatest finisher or something like that? I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's what it was called. Okay. Uh, I guess my next note was uh, interaction between Jim and. Jim Cornette and Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Cornette said he was dropped right on his head. McMahon replied he didn't hurt anything. <laughs> that made me laugh too. Yeah. So despite their kind of mistakes at the beginning of the match, I I think Allied Powers is a good use for these two. Um, yeah, I totally for, agree with for you. For Bulldog and Luger, you know. Especially at this time, because like Luger's days as a main eventer, I think in the WWF, if not past, are at least cooled. Like he needs to cool off for a while um, before they heat him up again. If they, which they didn't, but if they wanted to, um, and I think he works really well with uh, Davy Boy Smith. Too. So I think I think this is a good use for them, and it's too bad it doesn't last very long. But I I like these two as a as a tag team. What's your thoughts on their their theme song? Well, what was it even really? Like the combination of a, a mix of their two theme songs. Oh, that was fine. I didn't have any really notes on it. Okay, well I I got the finish of the match. If you're ready for that, go for it. A double team maneuver happened when the bulldog held up one of the duns. Luger bounced off both ropes, jumped in the air, and hit his running forearm. I liked it because it was like, I don't know, it's like Lex Luger's normal finisher, but with the added bear hug slam part. Yeah. It was so, cool. Yeah, the Allied Powers won. Whatever. What do you rate this match? Uh, star and three quarter. I rated this match a one half star. <laughs> you are stingy. I. <laughs> I rated that match a half star because it was, well, being short helped the match out. (laughs) I felt like this match was more of a jobber match. Sure. And I felt felt bad for Well Done being jobbed out. I guess Well Done was overcooked. I feel bad that two-thirds of them are dead. Yes. Then uh, Pamela Anderson, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, another hot blonde, who I should know, but I don't. And another dude, I don't know who <laughs> Nicholas that. Like he was, talked way too long, too. Like I said, another dude who I don't know who was at Mania. They all had a good time plugging WrestleMania 11. Yeah, I want to talk. I want to talk about Nicholas Tatero. Okay. He talked for way too long. Yes. He was like the main person. Yes. Didn't put his name up, which they should have, because who the heck knows who Nicholas Tatero is except for me? Yes. Um, he had a dumb bow tie on. Yes. And a nasty mustache. It was like boxing the whole time. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Good night. 
that uh, we might as well go into the next match, the WWF Women's Title match. Yeah. With champion Let's tackle this match. I like this match a lot. With Bull Anako, the champion, which is Alondra Blaze. Yeah, Bull Nakano was totally wearing a dead swan. Yes. But before we go in the match, McMahon, when, yeah, when the ladies were coming out, McMahon was by himself at the announcer's, at the announcer's table. Right. Then he was questions, questions where Cornette ran off to. The Cornette ran back at the start of the match, and he had a contract that was signed putting over the next week's main event. Yep. Which is Brett, features Bret Hart, the 1-2-3 kid, and Hardcore Holly versus Hakushi and the Tag Team Champions. Yes. And did you even see Jim Cornette sneaking back to the announcer's table? No. So I question if Jim Cornette actually ran off. I would put my money that he did not. Yeah, same here. Then, uh, now as I see, you might, yeah, if you want, you can get into the start of the match. Okay, so, well, I wanted to, I wanted to say that Vince, I don't even know, I don't have the context, so Vince goes, we're talking about America. We're talking about Poughkeepsie. <laughs> oh, Vince. <laughs> um, so I, it started, um, Blaze did a really cool kind of Hurricane Rana flip out of the corner on Nakano, and then, but then Bull pops right up and does a really awesome lariat on um, Alundra. I thought just, you know, oh, it's moving so fast. Alundra's flying around. Like that was, the, the story was kind of that she couldn't keep Bull Nakano down because Bull Nakano was so much bigger than her. But she was using these kind of flying moves to, to try to stop her. Yeah, because I guess that's one thing that kind of bothered me about the match. Was, oh, really? Yeah, it kept on, it was kept on, you know, quick, quick, quick. You know, Alondra hit a bunch of German suplexes and kept yep. on getting two counts, and both of them got up and hit the next move. You know, I thought it was a, a moves match. Oh, I liked it. Um, Fair enough. But I, I liked when, I also liked when Bull slowed it down with a, a sharpshooter, but then she turned it around and she grabbed Alundra by the neck, kind of turning it into, I don't know, kind of like a prawn hold. That looked really cool. Yeah, I, I, wrote, I noted that, and that looked pretty awesome and yeah, painful. I wrote, I wrote that it was a total water maneuver, but I don't even care. It was a good one. Now, I did note that after that submission, Bull hit a pile driver and only got a two count. Yep, that was a really good pile driver, and then she went up and hit a huge leg drop. Yeah, but, a flying like, leg drop and only got a two count, and both moves, and getting a two count, pissed me off oh okay because i feel like being dropped on your head by a pile driver that should put you out for at least a three count yeah i feel like if you're on the mat and somebody jumps off the top rope you know four or five feet up high and 180 pounds or whatever bull weighed you know dropping a leg drop on you that should put you down for a three count especially with especially with a pile driver first then the flying leg drop Fair enough. Well, I guess that's, that's just my. The, but pers- that's the story that the match was telling. The match, like, in some matches it keeps you down, but in some matches it doesn't. That's just what the story was telling. I guess, I guess that's just my personal taste, though. Fair enough. So, go to the. I just a lot, of, a lot more of that. A lot of good stuff. Um, so, Blaze finally hits three or four. Uh, German suplexes and finally is able to win the match. So yeah, Leonard Blaze is the new women's champion. Congratulations. 
<laughs> yep. Or if you could have won the title the night before on Monday, on WrestleMania. <laughs> so you give your rating first, because I'm sure it's going to be lower. One star. Three and a half stars. That's her prerogative, homie. <laughs> so what happens after she wins the match, though? I I guess I jumped to the conclusion who this was, but I said Bertha Faye attacked her. Ah, oh, you were right. Okay, good, because it looked like Bertha Faye, but she had, like, face paint on. Yeah. So I was kind of confused. I guess in, in kind of like a leather outfit. I'm so used to seeing Bertha Faye in, the, like, the flowery costume that looks makes her look like a joke. Right. So, like, I, get, I, I read about this. I can't confirm any of it because it's all secondhand. But, like, apparently what they really wanted to do was bring in Bertha Faye as her old persona the monster ripper and she was gonna actually feud with um bull nakano but then they found that well and she was gonna feud with bull nakano because alundra blaze was gonna be off screen getting some (coughs) surgery some uh facial surgery no some belly button surgery no a little higher a little north of the belly button there dirty dog Okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> so they were so Bonacano and um Monster Ripper Ronda Singh or whatever they'd call her, we're gonna feud. So that's why she was dressed like that. But then the story goes that they found some booger sugar in Bonacano's locker. Mm, that's no good. So then they fired her or suspended her or something, and then <laughs> Since Alondra was out getting the medical procedure, they in that time they changed Rhonda Singh to a Bertha Fay. How sad. Mm-hmm. Then we go to a commercial break. We come back with another commercial advertising WrestleMania 11 with Roddy Piper. Mm, yeah. For an encore presentation. Right. Then we go to the main event of the evening. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call this the main event. I was gonna say I. Oh, man. I, I was gonna say after the Piper WrestleMania 11 ad- commercial, I paused it to get up to go to the bathroom, do whatever. I can't remember what I was doing doing because I watched this last weekend, and you know I paused it and I noticed like there was only like I think between eight and ten minutes left of the of the episode. I'm like, what the hell? There's one more match and another interview segment. I'm like. <laughs> This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> then Men on a Mission came out. Yeah, it was it was a short, short, short match though. Cause, well, yeah, because when they came out, Vince was you know explaining that you know Men on a Mission just recently turned heels. Uh huh. They dropped their manager, Oscar. Sound of sound. That's what Jim Cornette calls them. Yeah. So yeah, they were kind of talking about that. You know, while I was googling who they're facing, which is Ben Jordan and Tony Roy. Yep. Congrats, boys. You're on the internet. <laughs> now on our podcast. So, yeah, Men on a Mission attacked their points right before the bell. Ryan and Cornette McMahon tells us, yeah, they recently turned heel and all that, what I, what I just said. You know, turned their backs on their fans. Mm-hmm. I got an email distracting me by Vince Russo. Damn you, Vince Russo. Then I noticed that uh, <laughs> Mabel squashed one of his opponents and picked up the victory. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the... Um Men on a mission, tag team, heel, squadron. 
I guess I would like to see a few more matches of theirs as heels to really make a make a uh, sound opinion. Make a sound opinion. Yeah, give them a sound opinion. Yeah, I I wish that they would have ran with this a little longer instead of shooting Mabel into the main event. Well, yeah, to get, especially give them especially Mabel more time to, to learn his craft. Well, he was they he'd only been heel for like three months before he's main eventing pay per views. And, yeah, and it wasn't wrestling yeah. for that long before yeah, he was main eventing like a couple well, of years like, at most. Yeah, like we talked about last week, he was only twenty four at the time. He's real. He had just turned twenty four. He's yeah. young. He so, hadn't been wrestling that long. So yeah, the winners were met on a mission. Yep. What do you rate this match? Half star. <laughs> I rated this match lower. Oh gosh, is it the dud? This match I rated as a Dave Meltzer's famous dud. Ooh, dud I, I was dud. distracted by Vince Russo's email, and this match sucked. Why did Vince Russo send you? Email? Well, because I signed up. For, <laughs> well, I guess it's my fault on that, but I guess I signed up, you know, for email things for to get the first podcast and lottie dotty freaking da. Oh, okay. I need to figure out how to unsubscribe to his emailing <laughs> list. Okay, awesome. Damn you, Vince Russo. <laughs> All right, so next is the promotion that I'm going to enter, which is to win a house. Yes. I wish we, uh, as I say, I wish we were still able to win that house. I would like to have a pool. toxic landfill. I would like to have a pool in my house. In your house? Yes, in my house. Oh. And uh, we can send a postcard to win this house, too. <laughs> WWF in your house, P.O. Box 7406. Melville, New York, 11775. <laughs> People, put this podcast on pause. Get a pen and paper ready, because I'll repeat it. Once again. Oh, I guess uh, also get somebody to buy a postcard. And again, read to WWF in your house. P.O. Box 7406, Melville, New York, one one. Seven seven five, and your entry must be received by May twelfth, nineteen ninety five. Oh, I think we missed our deadline. Or get a hold of Doc Brown, jump in his vehicle, go eighty eight miles an hour, and go back in time. Okay, that's a, that's a good choice. Yeah. So then now uh, we. I guess we find out find out that uh, Raw is brought to us by Baby Ruth. Cool. Right, Jim Cornette told us that. Then uh, we go come back from commercial to Vince McMahon is in the ring and welcomes Shawn Michaels and his bodyguard Sid. Yep. Then uh, McMahon told us Michaels that, back is screaming. Yes, poor Shawn. I guess what you get for being short. But McMahon tells us that Michaels isn't the WWF champion and asked Michaels how he feels. And he said he feels like he was ran over the <laughs> night before. By a steamroller. Purr, purr. And then McMahon goes, perhaps a diesel-powered steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Michaels said that he had trouble focusing during his match at WrestleMania. Yep. And called Diesel Big Daddy. Yeah. And accepts Diesel's rematch. And Shawn Michaels said, I don't need a bodyguard. Sid, 
you can take the night off for my rematch. Then Sid got pissed off. happy about being told to take the night off. Yes, yeah, he got pissed off. Then we go to a commercial break. When Sid was chewing out Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he was not happy. You want to tell us what happened when we came back from the commercial break? Um, he turned away, and then Sean turned away, and then he hit Sean. He power. Do you know how many times he power bombed him? I do not know how many times he power bombed him. Same here. I'm sad. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so I guess we might have <laughs> to. Uh, going to enlighten us. Maybe for a future episode, we might have to watch episode 106 to find out. Oh, well, uh. Maybe just maybe. I don't know. So yeah, that yeah, that would, uh, Vince tries to go to a commercial break. Sid Sid barks. <laughs> then we go to a commercial break, and then we come back. Michaels is light out. The, yeah, Sid is standing over him, and Diesel came out to make the save, and we fade to black. Dun dun dun. Yeah, if you guys didn't know, you know this approach one of the reasons why I picked this episode because. Yeah, Sid turning on Shawn Michaels. And I feel like they took a commercial break at the right, at the perfect moment. For sure. Because this was one of the first, that angle was the first earliest memory I have from watching Monday Night Raw. Oh, nice. And I got my memory confused when I watched this Raw because I remember watching Sid powerbombing Michaels I don't know how many times. And they must have showed it in the following week's Raw. Well, I in watch in prepping for the SummerSlam retrospective show, they show it all the way to SummerSlam, so I watched it on that even. Okay. So yeah, well, so I assume the yeah, I assume that on, on episode one oh six the following week on Raw that you know they show, showed what Sid did and because there wasn't Sean written off a of TV for a while after this. Yes. Okay. Then he came back. What, right around King of the Rain, if I remember correctly? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that was this week's Monday Night Raw, episode 105. Yeah, 105 from April 3rd, 1995. All right. Who is your main eventer? My main eventer is the one, uh, the only, the icon, the main event. Sean Michael. Alright, cool, cool, cool. Just because I felt like his promo was awesome and I feel like, you know, like like I said with the commercial break and when they came back, Michael's well obviously, you know, Michael's did hit get hit by a few power bombs. But I think Michael's is, you know, putting over the match he had with with Diesel a few weeks later from WrestleMania Love the night before. That you know, Michael's put over the how that that match was and how he wasn't focused and Lottie freaking da <laughs> you know telling Sid he needs to stay home next time next time he challenges Diesel and I just feel like Michael's but, but, well I guess we didn't really in my opinion we really didn't watch a great that great of episode of Monday Night Raw so yeah. Michael's didn't have much to much to beat in right. my opinion okay. but that's why I picked Shawn Michaels cool alright my main eventer is Alleged Booger Sugar Taker Bull Nakano. I thought she was awesome. I thought she that submission move was great. I thought her 
all of her offense looked spectacular. I thought she was even was doing a good job selling that she's bigger, but these kind of high flying moves are are taking her down. I thought she was awesome. I do feel like that she helped carry the laundry blades to a great match as fast paced as that match was, which wasn't my taste, but I'll see that match was the highest rating match for for me on this night. Cool. So uh, my jobber, you might not like this because they were overcooked. My jobber was well done Uh. because they were made out to be jobbers and their tights were nasty. All right. Fair enough. Who are your or who yeah, who are your jobber? Who is your jobber? My jobber is Nicholas Taturo. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. <laughs> he was the worst part on NYPD Blue. His character is dumb. Because wasn't wasn't he saying that him and Vince are tight and he should leave NYPD Blue to come work for Vince? Yeah, I bet the NYPD Blue producers were like, sure, get gone, man. He sucked. I can't imagine he's not annoying, so. <laughs> well, he is annoying, he's so job. whatever. He's my jobber. Okay, then we might as well go to the top five list for this week. All right, tell us what the top five is. This and week. I, you know, since, we, you know, normally you and I go back and forth between the Regular, you know, regular cast on, you know, who picks what show to review and who does the top five list. And I felt like, you know, because Yokozuna and Owen Hart were the tag team champions as of WrestleMania 11, I wanted to do a top five list of odd pairing tag teams. You know, as in like Yokozuna and Owen Hart. For sure. So I approached two guys who, like odd pairing tag teams, you know, like two guys who were known as single starters who got teamed up. And my my number five has to be Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, the Outsiders. Oh, okay, cool. Be, well, granted, you know they're known as you know probably one of the greatest tag teams in WCW history, but you know they were they made their name known in WWF before they jumped ship as Diesel and Razor Ramon. You know, yeah, Diesel sure. was they're, WWF they're champion, cool. Intercontinental champion, tag team champion. Razor was I think like a four time Intercontinental champion. Both of them were, you know, known single stars before they jumped over, and yeah, they held the WCW Take Team title several, several times, and ran over the Take Team division over there. The Outsiders were, are my number five. Cool. My number five is the only side of night Yokozuna and Owen Hart. Good Take Team. Yep, we talked about it. So okay, my number four are the two man power trip: Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H. Because, you know, this would have been right after WrestleMania 17 in 2001 before the Invasion storyline. That, you know, you know, those two came off of a feud ending at No Way Out in 2001. You know, a best two out of three falls match. You know, which Triple H won. And Stone Cold would go on and win the WWF title from The Rock, turning heel at WrestleMania 17. And those two would team up, win the tag team titles for like a month and a half or whatever before Triple H Horse quad and all that fun jazz, but yeah, I felt like those two were. I think probably one of the. I guess I really enjoyed during that time. I really enjoyed their tag team because I thought it was cool. You know, two guys who clashed so many times, who had a blood feud, now are friends and are teaming up together and are, you know, held the WWF title, the Intercontinental title, and the tag team titles together. I was very, very impressed. 
<laughs> nice. All right, my number four is Jericho. Ooh. Jericho and Big Show. Liked them a lot. O nine when they held the titles, I thought they did a really good job of going back and forth and um, uh, defending it to all comers. I thought, I thought and elevating it kind of to main event status. I liked what they did a lot. Okay, and I'll get into my number three. Has to be Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit. Oh, okay. The guys who defeated Stone Cold and Triple H for the tag team titles. Yeah. You know, just because, you know, same thing with Stone Cold and Triple H, I said for my number four, those two had a blood feud, you know, over the Intercontinental title, had one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest ladder matches ever at the Royal Rumble 2001. And when Jericho did the. Well, the Jericho on Benoit on top of the ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, those two feuded, you know, obviously with each other in WWF for, I don't know, over a year, year and a half, what, however long it was. You know, I, I, I just thought it was cool to see them tag together, you know, win the title, tag titles from Triple H and Stone Cold before Triple H got injured and held the titles for, I don't know, a month, month and a half, however, however long. Well, watching the TLC4 on SmackDown, watching other tag champs. You know, they, I just enjoyed their tag team. So they're my number three. They're also my number three. <laughs> good choice, yep. Beverly. I like the Chris's. They're a good tag team. All the reasons you said. So I guess I'll go into my number two, which had to be Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. <laughs> you know, I guess just like my number three and number four, you know, those two... <laughs> are two great technical wrestlers. You know, they've been feuding off and on. You know, then, you know, on, they were together on SmackDown. Was it 2002-ish, 2003? When Stephanie McMahon was a SmackDown general manager and wanted to have SmackDown tag team titles and formed a bunch of, I don't know, eight tag teams, random tag teams, and Kurt Angle and Benoit were, Chris Benoit were thrown as a tag team together. And I also were the first tag team champions, and I wish those two would have been able to hold the tag team titles longer. So I felt like those two could have brought up the SmackDown tag team division more than what it was. And I felt like they could have; those two could have brought out great tag matches. Out of I think Edge and Mysterio, who were tag champs for a while, like a week or whatever, you know, against Los Guerreros. Yeah, Kurt and Chris were awesome tag team. Were my number two. Nice. My number two is the aforementioned two-man power trip. Like, uh, even though it's, I don't know, kind of a monopoly on all the belts being held by two guys, it is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of interesting, at least for, excuse me, for a little bit of time. Fair enough. And uh, my number one was your, I believe, number three. It, or number four, I don't remember. But my number one is Jericho, Chris Jericho and the Big Show. Because, you know, kind of like you said that, you know, when they won the tag team titles in 09, I feel like they brought up the tag team division. Enough so that at TLC that year in December, they may have ended that pay-per-view in a TLC match against Shawn Michaels and Triple H, D-Generation X. And I felt like, you know, I guess DX held the tag titles for a little bit, Kind of gave the tag title division. I don't know. I guess they kind of. I guess to me, the tag division kind of seemed as a joke after they won it. But, you know, kind of with 
two, I guess, four main eventers that held the tag team division titles. I felt like, you know, yeah, like you said with Jericho, show, that they brought up the division and helped it out. And during that time when the tag team titles meant nothing. Sure. All right, my number one. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, hey. Do love. Do love, baby. Do love. Oh. Do love and so called Steve Austin. I didn't even think about them. That's a good choice. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, they're my number one. I really like the pairing. It's an interesting, odd couple thing. It's not totally like the feuding deal. It's just kind of a weird pairing between the two. I liked it a lot. Good See, choice. I, good choice. I had been kind of out of wrestling for a little bit because I didn't get any on my TV system at the time, and they were champs right when I got back in, so I really liked it a lot. So yeah, that's that's a good choice, and uh, you know, I'll think of it. I think yeah, this is our fourth episode, or I think our seventh podcast altogether. Because yeah, last week we did special cast number three with Jason Mann, the history of SummerSlam. Then obviously this was our fourth regular episode. So yeah, I just want to thank you guys, you know, the fans, and also you, Mister Beverly Hills, for doing seven awesome podcasts so far. And uh, as I say, yeah, let us know, tweet at us. You know, find us out on Facebook. You know, search out Main Event Status Radio. Talk to us. Let us know what you guys liked. If you guys enjoyed the special cast, you know, if you guys enjoyed Dean Stahl and I talking about CM Punk. If you liked Beverly and I talking with Ferran and Lucas from Pro Wrestling Weekly about the WWE Network. If you guys enjoyed Jason Mann talk about the history of SummerSlam. If you guys enjoyed the four Raws that we covered, or if you guys want us to cover other shows. Hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter, to, you know, and all that. Talk, yeah, talk to us, you know, let us know what you liked us to cover, what you enjoyed, what you didn't didn't enjoy. I know I was talking to Dean Stahl on, on Twitter, and he'd like us to cover some 80s wrestling sometime soon, which I'm sure we'll get to sooner rather than later. Got it. And also, you know, this podcast will be dropped the SummerSlam weekend. So I hope you guys have a great SummerSlam weekend. And uh, and for Beverly Hills, I hope that Brock Lesnar defeats John Cena, knocks a snout out of him, and walks home with the WWE World Heavyweight title. Awesome. So I guess, do you have any uh, closing thoughts, Beverly? I do not, my friend. Okay, so yeah, like I said, you know, this is episode four. Well, technically episode 7 but special cast don't count so yeah episode 4 we'll be back most likely next week so I hope you guys enjoy SummerSlam 2014 hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and we'll catch you guys at the matches ladies and gentlemen I really like that. that's fantastic that is our show ladies and gentlemen